Well, you dropped penis the last time, and we used yeah. that pretty well. So. Yeah. I hate to have my penis in the open. You just did. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go, Sean. You're so cocky, Sean. Hi, <laughs> right, you guys ready? In three, two, one. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Welcome to Yippie Mother Podcast Classic. I'm Ralph Quattrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Deborah Murphy. John Quattrucci. <laughs> Chris Coker. Dramatic pause. That was a huge pause. That yeah. Was, I was trying. muted. Oh. oh. <laughs> well. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about an all-time classic Francis Ford Coppola movie, but we won't be doing that today. <laughs> oh, hey, hey. oh, oh I saw that one coming a mile away. <laughs> I am wearing my Tom Waits hat in honor of Tom Waits. I was going to wear the Crystal Gale wig, but I just didn't think that would work. I'm wearing my Scully cap, a Francis Ford Coppola Scully cap. Oh, that's and I'm into Silverfish here. Silverfish. All right, this is yeah. going to be an interesting film to talk about. So we've kind of given away the lead. We're going to talk about one from the heart. What? Yeah. But before we do that, let's talk about what we watched this week. Let's start with Sean and Debbie. Well, Sean and Debbie went to the movies. What? Because someone keeps hounding us about what a great director George Miller is. I know. you. I couldn't go with you guys. I'm bummed. We tried to get Drew and his lovely wife to join us. For a fabulous film, you know, if, if you just know George Miller from the Road Warrior films, you may be disappointed with this film, but it's actually a charming little fantasy called um, 3,000 Years of Longing. You know, um, Tilda Swinton, you know, um, you know, is a um, neurologist. That's someone who studies narrative. And... While studying mythology, she's in Istanbul and she finds a little bottle. And when she opens it up, you know, there's a genie inside. And he is trying to get her to make, who's the Erdis? I always mispronounce his name. What's his name, Drew? Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Elba. And just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did it for you and then you took a crack at it. So I admire <laughs> he still blew your moxie. It. <laughs> That's what's so yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I remember good. the good old days when you used to have to correct, you know, Ralph all the time. But, you know, she, he is desperately, he is going to be continue to be trapped unless he can convince Tilda Swinton. That's correct, right? Very yes. good. That's Very good. That's good. Okay. Yeah. To make, to make th- some wishes. And he, t- and she tell, conv- you know, gets him to tell his story and she tells her story a bit. And it, it's a lovely little film about love, you know, and it's really, should I say, one from the heart. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, Drew, I'm, sorry I, uh, I'm sorry I couldn't make it with you guys. Obviously, I want to see that movie. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I, I People who watch the podcast might know I'm a bit of a George Miller fan. And this movie apparently uh, cost $60 million and made about $2 million. So it's going to be one of the biggest box office bombs of the year, which is unfortunate. Did you but say George it cost Miller's- $60 million? Yeah. I thought George- it was a small movie. That's that, that For him, that was small. <laughs> for him, movie. that was small. But, I mean, wow. that's um, George Miller's got such an crazy um, 
range of projects in his 70 plus years of living and making movies that, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see it. I have no idea if I'll like it or not because some of his stuff, like Happy Feet 2 didn't do it for me, but Babe Pig in the City is incredible as yeah, is Babe. Right. So I'm very curious to see it. And I'm glad you guys got to see it and enjoyed it. Well, you know, it was a relief to go to a movie that was not like a designed to be a blockbuster. I mean, it was obviously mm-hmm. designed to be good and they're hoping people will be there. But it, nice that it wasn't a horror movie because low budget horror movies are certainly welcome in the theaters now. And yep. it's mostly blockbuster. So it's nice to see. A mid-range fantasy. And I got to say, I like all the trailers, too. I mean, there was one for Beast, you know, the Killer Lion movie. I'm like, yep. man, I want to see that. There was one for Smile, an upcoming horror film. And there were a couple others, like every trailer. And even the commercials at the theater we saw before, we like. There was one for Samaritan, which uh, we watched with Stallone, you know, on um, Prime. And I do want to see the vampire one. What's it? The Day Shift. That's you fun. Know, as well. You know, so yeah, I saw that. I saw that this week. So it was a very good experience at the movies. You liked it, didn't you, Debbie? I loved it. You know, she wasn't Great. one over at immediately. I asked her at about 30 minutes in, I said, because she seemed kind of quiet. And I'm like, do you like you this? You have to be quiet in the movie. That's one thing you might not know. Yeah. <laughs> There's Ooh. some tension going on down there. You Uh-oh. guys all right? No I'm sensing a little something going on over there in that corner. No, 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 we no, came no. downstairs to, to get on the podcast. So, oh, okay. All right. Oh, uh, next. Okay. So, next. Okay. So you're both okay. exhausted. Oof. I get it. Okay. All right, John, uh, follow that with something, please. Well, Clear it's the funny. Uh, you, you brought up Samaritan. I, I watched Samaritan uh, starring Sylvester Stallone. Um, I was looking forward to it when I saw the trailer. And for the, It's about a... a, a a guy that used to be a superhero. He's not anymore. And he's in his seventies and he gets rediscovered. I won't tell you more about it because there's some twists and turns to it. It was, uh, it was okay. Uh, the script was kind of lame. I thought there was way too much CGI. Um, you could drive trucks through the plot holes, but it was still kind of cool to see Sylvester Stallone who at his age still looks like he can bring it. Um, it was, it was, uh, an easy watch. It's not a long movie. Uh, there's no woke crap in it, which of course, you know how I feel about that. So I like that. Um, I can't tell when you say woke crap. So, but it was, it was I just, no idea how you feel about as opposed that. to it was, normal woke. Yeah. yeah I don't understand it was, how you it feel was about okay. That. It was okay. I, uh, if you're a Stallone fan, you probably like the movie. Uh, you know, it's, it's very bleak and dark and it was raining all the time. So it was kind of like that. The other thing I'm watching that I, I'm loving is on Disney Plus the documentary on ILM. It's fantastic. Uh, I think it's uh, I've, I think it's like six episodes. I'm um, in four of them, and it tells how ILM got started. You know, with the original Star Wars and where it ended up progressing. It's really interesting, and all the cast of characters involved with that. Great show. If you like any of that stuff, check that out. But that's what I'm watching. That's what I watched. Did she you? Okay. Uh, Drew. Was that a sound effect that you were playing, nope. Ralph? Nope. Oh. Not that time. Okay. Sounds like somebody's mom. Yeah, that's what that's, I heard. Uh, I think my dog bit my child. Oh. oh. It's okay. Oh. Don't worry. Is everything okay? That's a sound effect. There's the opening, Ralph. You just got the opening right there. I think the dog bit my child. Are you, are you want to check on that? Are you okay? No, Jen's upstairs. She's got okay. okay. All right, Drew, what do you watch? All right, my man. My man. So um, I watched only a few things this week. Uh, I watched uh, another season of Never Have I Ever, which I have one season left. That's Mindy Kaling's show on Netflix, which is very 
sweet and charming. But uh, I actually watched two movies that had more in common than I expected. One of them is Samaritan, which was a very sort of 90s superhero movie. I feel like if it had come out a year before Blade or something, it would have fit right in there. (laughs) It's not, it's not bad. It's, it's uh, John's description as an easy watch, I think is the right one. It has one actual narrative. Um, twist that was kind of interesting, which was more than I expected, but yeah. there's not much to it. And I mean, Stallone kind of rides on his, I guess it's charm. I mean, the guy is like watching a legend in anything he does, and he does a lot of action crap. And this one has kind of got some fun stuff in it. But the other one I watched, this was real garbage. Uh, I watched Orphan First Kill, uh-huh. the prequel to the 2009 trash classic Orphan. Orphan. Um, uh, it, it's really bad, but I'm glad I watched it because it's like this lurid, ridiculous shadow of the original, but like Samaritan, not in the same way. It, it also has a rather unexpected, uh, twist in the script and the yes, movie Eric. is not what you expect. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. I mean, the biggest spoiler for the movie isn't a spoiler is, you know, it's a prequel to a movie that is, uh, from 2009 and, you know, the, the prem, uh, the, I saw that before I knew what the, the reveal was, and you can't get that back for the prequel. But, um, the other problem with the movie, which Samaritan didn't have, it, it looks like garbage. And it doesn't look like garbage, like the people who shot it don't know how to shoot or don't have a cinematographer or something. They just made it really sort of washed out and smoky looking. And uh, that was unfortunate because there's so much blood and stuff. It's, it's like it should have been a brighter, splashier, crazy movie, like Day Shift. So I saw some stuff that I'm glad I watched this week, even though none of it was good. Was it made for a theatrical release or uh, streaming? Like Samaritan was made for streaming. So I believe Orphan First Kill, where was it? I think we saw it on Paramount+. Plus. It may have done a limited release. I'm not sure. I don't even know what the movie exhibition you know, business looks like to people. Sean said he likes that they made a, a medium budget movie for adults. Well, it didn't make any money, so don't get too attached to them making more yeah, of okay. them. The adult crowd came out for Tom Cruise. Yes, yeah. which that's a wildly entertaining movie, yeah. but also a huge blockbuster. So that's that's not yeah. surprising. Well, yeah, I've been watching more movies than TV series recently, and I've been enjoying that. That's good. And she plays she was, she played twelve in the first one, and she's still playing twelve in this one. And she's like twenty oh, years old. Right now, I remember. What I mean, that. they they pull they pull that off. They it's, did. It's, they de-aged her a little bit. No, um, I I think what they do is. They shoot a lot of stuff where she's like, yeah, low in the frame, and then when you see her walk across the room, I kind of assume it's a child double from behind or something. So it was it's the one same of those actor. things. I it was yeah, the same. It's the same. Oh yeah, it's definitely Isabel yeah. Furman. I I would. It's one of those things. Like I'd be curious to know how they did some of that, but also I don't care enough to look it up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh. It's also got Julia Stiles, who's, uh, who's good. Um, she's got a weird career. So this is another notch on that belt, but, uh, it was fun. I mean, it was more bizarre than Samaritan, but I'm glad I saw both of them, even though they weren't great. All right. Chris. Um, it's, uh, I also watched something on Disney Plus. I watched the first two episodes of She Hulk Attorney at Law. Love that and title. It, and, uh, it's terrific. Uh, to put it mildly, it remind it's funny. Um, back in the eighties, uh, <clears throat> legendary artist and writer named John Byrne 
kind of reimagined She-Hulk with a what they called a graphic novel back then, which was like a oversized, thicker, um, more mature uh, kind of take on her. But it was all very tongue-in-cheek. It was all very breaking the fourth wall and winking at the audience and playing with the ideas of superheroes and jokes and things like that. And a woman who uh, just wants to kind of live her life. But at the same time, what's kind of really cool is that, like, you know, while Bruce Banner is always so tortured about being the Hulk and the destruction that he causes as the Hulk, uh, Jennifer Walters is like, hey, I like being, you know, six foot nine and super strong and invulnerable. Who cares if I'm green? I'm super hot, you know? And uh, yeah. so there's a like, there's that kind of vibe about it that's kind of, that's, it still has that vibe. It doesn't follow the storyline of any of the John Byrne stuff I remember, but it still has that kind of, irreverent winking at the audience uh and and don't get me wrong people have done that in superheroes a lot lately but uh the woman who plays uh and i'm sorry i'm blanking on her name but the woman who plays her i think is great so i tatiana maslani thank you she's Um, awesome from person black and many things she's amazing (laughs) yeah she's uh she's really great in it and uh i'm really i'm i'm fully enjoying it um and uh, it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't even say that this is in any way woke, John, because like I said, they were doing this back in the 1980s with this character. So uh, I would say that this is just kind of the next step in uh, in her evolution. Anyway, I enjoyed it. Did they good. bring Bill Bixby in? No, <laughs> that would be no, what I heard. They, they, they certainly could. They're bringing these, people yeah. back into stuff all the time. Well, but yeah, they also called back to um, Ed Norton's Hulk somehow, I read. That they, yes, they? they do. Yeah. They hmm. do. They actually bring back Tim Roth as the Abomination. Uh, bad guy from um, the Angry Which is kind of, Incredible it's Hulk. kind of fun, yeah. too, because I will say this. I'm, I'd, I'd have to go look it up, but I'm pretty sure that's the only Marvel movie that isn't available that's not brand new, like it hasn't just come out, that isn't available on Disney+. Plus. I don't think The Incredible Hulk is available on Disney+. Plus. I think they've kind of... Because uh, it's Universal. Uh, Universal it's Disney. Disney. That's oh, right. really? Yeah. No, well, there's the Ang Lee Hulk. I thought that I was Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah, that's no. Universal. No, yeah, but it's Incredible is the Hulk other one too? Universal. The one with Edward Norton. Huh. It wasn't Marvel. Yeah, but that had, that had Robert Downey Jr. Oh, right. Ang Lee was the other... Yeah, the other, um, yeah, the other bad anyway. one. Banna played. Banna was in that one. Yeah, yes. Eric, uh, Nick, and Nick Nolte. Eric yeah, Nick yeah, Nolte is the absorbing yeah. man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Nick Nolte, where is he now? But speaking of uh, ninety superhero slash comic book movies, I did watch a bit of it, and uh, it hasn't aged well at all. I watched a little bit of Tank Girl again, and I'm not Tank Girl. Lori Petty. Yeah, Lori Petty and yeah. Tankville. I didn't think it aged well when I saw it in the theater. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you on that it's one. It's a rough one. I'm like, oh, Ooh. God, I, I got to see something better after Tank Girl. the film I wow. just watched. I'm like, Tank Girl wouldn't be on the list. It's one of those movies that um, – it's one of those films that when you watch it, you know, you're, you know they were trying to go for this, like, you know, the independent comic book feel, and they had a lot yeah. of comic book uh, images as, like, the connectors and, scenes, and scene changes, which was Not really cool. But the live action part of it just was so cheap looking. And Lori Petty was just unbelievably annoying. Um, the character I don't know. I believed Ice-T was a, a kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> Dogman kangaroo. Lori Petty is annoying in A League of Their Every- Own, which works mm-hmm. well. Super annoying in Point Break, right? Yep. <laughs> oh, know? yeah. So she's always annoying, but 
You know, no, she's I, good in Orange is the New Black. I haven't seen it. Na- Naomi Watts is in Tank Girl as well. I guess that as a brunette. She is. That was like one of her first real yeah. roles. Like she's there. Oh, wow. You don't even notice it because she's got like black hair and yeah, she plays, she plays a brunette. Doubt, you know, this director of, like, Tank Girl was a female director too. Um, yeah, Rachel. I think it was Francis Ford Halloway. Coppola. <laughs> yeah, with with an E on the Francis. Okay. Her name was right. uh, Rachel Calloway or something like that. Anyway, she's All done right. other things, but Tank Girl, not, not great. Not so good. It tanked. It tanked in the box office, too, I think. It didn't do very oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Girl, did it tank. Yeah. I thought it was a sequel to that movie, Tank, but it turns James out it's unrelated. James yeah, it's Garner. unrelated yeah. Great movie. Sally Field. Yeah, just you just call me a pussy communist? All right. Good quote. Um, right out of that movie. So I did see Day Shift. And, John, it's a little bit woke. The vampires use uh, suntan. They, uh, they use uh, sunblock. So it's, it's a little bit environmental, and it's you know trying to say something. It's okay. It's a little one of those movies where people get like things should, people should be killed instantly, but they take forever to decide to kill them, and then everybody comes in and saves the day. It's, it's fun, though, to see um, Snoop Dogg plays a cowboy, and it's very interesting. But the one I really want to talk about is the three-part series on Netflix on Woodstock 99. I've been watching Trainwreck. Trainwreck, which I'm fascinated with Woodstock 99. And the fun thing about this one is they actually interviewed the original promoters of Woodstock 69. And the contrast between the, the message from Woodstock 69, which is love and everybody needs to get along and Woodstock 99, which was all about commercialism and Terrible band, you know, bands getting people angry. It's an amazing contrast. And this, the same people did both. And the stuff they did to the people who were guests at Woodstock 99, the way they jacked up the water prices and the food prices and polluted their water. And it, it's amazing more people. I mean, there was a riot after the, you know, on the, I think the last night they burned everything mm-hmm. down. It's amazing they lasted that long with everything that was going on. Yeah. And it's oh, a good I, contrast I, to the other one I saw. I think ESPN or Bill Simmons put out one. Uh, this is a nice. And the three episodes right, yeah. go by pretty quickly, so it's not like you have to really sit through a lot. What are you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, there was the Woodstock '99 on HBO Max, but I saw the Netflix one too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, really, just kind of gets into the 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 app. I've I've just got one one phrase that stuck with me from that trench mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Oh, wait a minute. So, Ralph, you're talking about there's one on HBO Max. There's one. Bill Simmons produced a Woodstock 99 doc probably two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And this one's Netflix version, train wreck, three three parts. But this one interviewed people who were working behind the scenes, which was pretty fascinating. Yeah, it was um, pretty good. Don't they have another documentary about that? Caribbean concert. Yeah, the fire, fire. Yeah, there's two fire of those. Festival. Well, there's yeah. two of those. Hulu did one, yeah. and Netflix did one. Yeah. yeah. There's also two uh, volcano movies from the '90s. Yeah, so, that happens. You know, and and White House, know. White House down. Oh, right, White House down. Comet's going to hit the Earth. Comet's hitting right. the Earth. That's <laughs> another one. Yeah. We keep yeah. talking about Francis Ford Coppola. So, Sean, take it away. This is a okay. film you wait. Now let's let's explain again. Let this me, is a film yeah. you had never seen. Exactly. Right. And I most people seen haven't it seen it. To be perfectly honest, most yeah. people have never seen this movie. Had, ever, had anyone here seen the movie before? Just before? nope. I had not. I had not. Nope. Okay. Nope. Well, this is we're continuing our series of bringing films we haven't seen that we always wanted to see, and um, 
I was up for three films. Originally, I was going to go with um, Goonies to follow the original concept of the podcast of films for a different generation because people kept telling me how influential that was. And they, even at my pool where Debbie and I are members, they had a movie night. They showed the Goonies. I'm like, oh, how was it? And the guy's like, I, I wore my video out. I go, I haven't seen it. I think I'd like to see it. They're like, well, if you're an adult watching it for the first time, you're not going to like it. So I went uh -huh. off that one because I wanted a film I could like. So really, after that, it came down to two choices. I wanted to do a film by a major director that I hadn't seen. And so I really was going between uh, Martin Scorsese. What's that Griffin Dunn film um, about oh, that first um, day? He's, he's walking hours. out at night. After Hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've he never wore, seen that? I have not seen After Hours. No, that's, that's definitely worth a watch for you. That's yeah, that's the only film. Scorsese film. And I was also thinking, uh, it's amazing to me that I've never seen Coppola's One from the Heart. And I'll tell you why I picked One from the Heart over yeah, After Hours. After Hours was a project that came to um, Scorsese. He directed a couple other things. You know, Griffin Dunn was the producer, and they showed it to him. And they said, oh, I'll direct it. And so they were like, so happy to get him. Now, so, you know, it was a happy thing. Everyone, it, a lot of people loved that movie, you know, and, you know, it's supposedly a really good film. But so, but it was just a project for Scorsese. For Francis Ford Coppola, one from the heart was like a film he really wanted to make. Off the success of Apocalypse Now, you know, which was almost a disaster, but fortunately it came out, it was a monster hit. Same with Godfather. He has the same. Yeah. Like, even with the Godfather, was a mess at the beginning, and he was yeah. he was under pressure from the minute he started that film. So yeah. he wanted to do after Apocalypse. Now he goes, you know, I'm going to do a simple movie. <laughs> Here yeah. you go. Yeah, but uh, after after the first Godfather, he wanted to do a simple movie, and he did the conversation, oh, that, which is a masterpiece too. It's a masterpiece. Uh, he did yeah. three masterpieces in a row. Right. You know, and I forgot what he did after Godfather. After Godfather two, it was, was it was it? Apocalypse Now. Yeah, another masterpiece, four yeah. in a row. Right. So you got to think that his next film, which is a personal passion project, you know, would just be fantastic. But it wasn't. You know, um, it was. It, it the film is called One from the Heart. Can we? Can let's watch the trailer. Can we? Okay. In The Godfather, he explored the violent world of organized crime. In The Godfather Part Two, he examined the soul of power and corruption. In Apocalypse Now, he journeyed into the madness of war. Now, Academy Award winner Francis Ford Coppola and Zoetrope Studios take a very special look at love. One from the heart. It's been five years since my last dream came true. Hey, what was that? The day I met Hank. I wish I had a dollar for each time I took a chance. I really love her. I know that. But all those two bit Romeos who count up in romance. Maggie, do you believe in true love? Knowing that you fall in love. I love you, baby. Mm. I love you. Baby, this one's what do you think this means? It means we're splitting, I guess. This one's from the heart. 
Fanny and I busted up. I want to live. This is what I want. I want to go out with a bunch of guys. I want erotic things to happen. I could have 50 chicks tomorrow, honey, if I wanted to, you know? Little boy blue. Lost She fell through a hole in the neck. What, I look like I got a broken heart? Yes. Out with the old and in with the new. I'm going straight to hell on this dress, honey. Tonight's gonna be a very special night. Ah! You danced divinely. I know. Well, the truth is you're a very lucky lady. I don't know. I think Franny's off with some Rudolph Vaselino-looking guy. I don't know. You make love to that guy? Of course I did. Was it passionate? Yes, very. You don't have to say very. You know, you could just say yes, but no, you gotta say very. It's neon and glitter. Let's run away from Las Vegas. Junkyards and paradise. To Bora Bora and other romantic places. Loneliness, laughter, and tears. Hey, come on home. Come on back, Frankie. This one's from home. It's heartache and happiness, music and fantasy, broken dreams and happy endings. I love her! This one's from the heart. Francis Ford Coppola presents a new kind of old-fashioned romance, one from the heart. Well, if you look at that trailer, you're going to think, wow, this is a film that's going to redefine love for a generation. Or cinema. Or cinema, at least. Okay. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I didn't see, I mean, when it came out, the reviews were scathing. Okay, so it, it was was produced in 81, 1981, or 80. Yeah. He was shooting at 80, 81. Yeah. And he was using a new technique, which I think you would find interesting. He was remote from it because he set up this like trailer called the Silverfish. Yeah. And he was using all sorts of video equipment through the camera so that he could edit it. And he wasn't in the studio. And like Las Vegas was recreated. Well, okay. Back up a step. What he did was he bought a studio. Yeah. He bought a back lot and he decided he's going to do this whole movie on the back lot. So he created Las Vegas on a back lot. And also created a community. His idea was, I want to go back to the old studio system, yeah. bring in people who all want to work together, and we're going to do an old-time movie. This was an old-time film, and we're going to do it like a socialist project. And yes, he had the Silverfish, and it was the beginning of random access editing and, and directing. He was directing from – he was never out on the set. Right. So he's in a yeah. booth going, okay, Terry, I want you to uh, lean in. You know, And they don't and hear he, him. They're hearing a voice. A personal touch. Right. So so he bankrolled this whole studio to make this film. Okay, so now yeah. the film. Well, I, I do like what one of the wags said. With all of his new technology, he was able to turn an $8 million movie into a $30 million yes. movie. <laughs> it so, shows on the screen, though. It's not like it's not on there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's a um, – okay, so finally, you know, I, it's just shocking to me that I'd never seen it because I'm such a big fan of his. But ultimately, the film was a flop. He lost everything. You know, he lost his studio, you know. And there's a great 
scene at the end of the book, um, Raging Bulls and Easy Riders, about cinema of the 70s, where it's Scorsese's birthday, when Scorsese turns 40, and Coppola's at the party, and Scorsese's depressed, and he goes to Coppola, he goes, I'm 40 years old, and I'm broke, I don't have any money, and Coppola grabs him and goes, you are broke, you don't have any money, I'm $40 million in debt. Yeah, and he, I, I, okay, there was another quote I heard, I think from the same book, where it was George Lucas shoots and directs like he has no money, mm-hmm. and Coppola shoots and directs like he's got all the money in the world, doesn't care, just going to keep going. It's all about the film. He even says in, the, in a doc I watched after that once we started rolling, we had no money, but if we start the film, we can just keep shooting. Nobody's going to stop us. So I just, I love his I love his mentality about what he's trying to do, and I think his four hits in a row gave him a giant ego, probably way bigger than it was to start with. And you know how's he going to lose? He can't lose. Well, well, he yeah. Did. Well, let me let me just give a brief summary of the plot, yeah. as it as it were. So there's this couple, the usually reliable Terry Gar. And Frederick Forrest, who had just been nominated for an Oscar the previous year, the year before, for the uh, Bette Midler movie, The Rose. They're a couple. It's their anniversary. Fifth year anniversary. And they, they, like, break up the next day. She's swept off her feet by Raul Julia, who's like a singer, but really he's a waiter. And, Spoilers. Uh, yeah. Spoilers! Like anyone listening to this is going to watch the movie by the time we're they done. May after we talk about it, they may. you never know. <laughs> um, and and Frederick Forrest meets Nostalgia, Nastasha Kinski, who's a tightrope walker and circus performer, and um, they both have flings. And then there's a race to the airport, <laughs> and are they going to get back together again? Now that's. A, Perfectly acceptable plot for a movie, but and I like the cast. I like the cast, and I like Harry Dean Stanton, who's the best friend to um, Frederick Forrest. But here's the problem: they and I want to say visually, I think the film is amazing. You know, I I love a lot of this layered imaging he does, and some of this stuff on the set is beautiful. Like when she first walks away from the house and she's walking down that street. And they do a really a lot of amazing stuff with lighting throughout the film. You know, some of it very heavy handed, but beautiful or very symbolic and some of it more subtle. But the problem is there are no characters in the movie. We know nothing about, you know, we have no reason, in my opinion, to care whether this couple gets together. And the more you know about them, you're like, they shouldn't be together. They could probably both do better. You know, than each other, you know, or the, even the other ones that they find. The, yeah, the second players. The second players could do better. They should have. They should have gotten together. Yeah. Then you know, Raul Julia and Nostalgia Kinski. Now that would have been an interesting movie. You oh, know, yeah, the other two people. There. Yeah, that would have been fun. And to me, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it because I, I love Terry Carr. I think she's got like a really cool energy. But to me, she is. I don't see that. You see her breast a bit. But I do not see her energy. You know, to me, the, the film is like lying dead. It's an esoteric exercise at looking at the cinematography, looking at the angles, looking at the camera movements, until the scene where Raul Julia is playing the piano and they start to tango. 
Because there's like some ad libs in there that, you know, I, I believe they're ad libs. I think a lot of those early scenes with like um, Forrest and um, Jerry are, you can tell that they're um, improvised because, you know, they don't go anywhere. But when she starts to dance, where he's playing and she's commenting and dancing, that's to me the first time and one of the few times in the movie where there's like, you get the Terry Gar energy that I like. And Raul Julia, I think, steals this movie. Yeah. I think, I think he's really terrific in it. And the same with, um, when Forrest gets with, um, Nostalgia Kinski. I think there's energy there. So there's like 40 minutes in the middle of this movie that, you know, that really engages me. But, you know, other than that, I can't say I, I can't say I liked the film, but I can't say I hated it either because I was really watching it. You know, it, you know, I know, Ralph, you've said in the past, if you're watching the cinematography, the movie's not working. But, you know, I mean, I, I was watching the cinema. I was watch. I was looking at the sets. I thought there was like the, at one point in the junkyard, there's like a car. And it's really cool because the car is like buried practically up to convertibles buried up to the door. So she's like on the hood and she gets down and she walks over to him and she's taller than him because it's sort of like, oh, you forgot the car is mostly buried. I mean, there's a lot of great touches in this movie. The problem is the vacant hole in the center by this couple and their story. And I don't know how everyone else feels, but, you know, I'm like, I was not engaged by them at all. Well, I could say this about that movie. It sort of reminded me of a play instead yep. of a movie. And very theatrical. Yeah. yeah. And Terry Gar's performance, I was very disappointed in her because she affected uh, Woody Allen's uh, wife. What's her name? Oh, you thought she was being like uh, Mia Farrow? Mia Farrow. She like was talking like her. And I said, like, why is she imitating Mia Farrow? Or were you thinking Farrow. Diane? Diane or soon, or soon yeah. yeah. No uh, time. Diane she, Keaton. She was. Uh, Keaton. Yeah, I can yeah, see what De- Debbie's like. She's like, like Diane Keaton. Like she was like playing a role of somebody else, playing a role, and I, I just. But the movie, I liked it because it seemed to me that it was a precursor to La La Land, that almost sort of won the Academy Award for Best Film. Mistakenly. <laughs> yeah, but it did know, win. For a minute. Yeah, for a minute. And then, whoops, a daisy. But she, um, that movie, I loved El, La, La La Land. I just loved it. I liked the art, the, the, the vibe, the musicality. And even in this uh, thing, it was the tango. And wasn't he? Yeah. He's a piano player. I can see what that means. I love mean. that artistic uh, love vagueness, that aching in your heart for somebody that you really care for and they're gone. You know, that to me is like something. But that's my opinion. Also, I got to mention that the movie has a soundtrack by uh, Tom Waits and Crystal Gale, and it comments on the film. Well, it's a musical. Yeah, the film is a musical. Is is it? It is a musical. But the the people directed it as a musical. Without called it a musical, where the the actors don't sing the music. Right. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the that's why the the songs were so on the nose. You know. Right. Yeah, as scenes were happening, and it's, it's beautiful. sort of like that Black soundtrack Dynamite. Is... Remember when we watched Black Dynamite, and you'd hear the mute, and we were talking about the soundtrack. It's sort of like Black Dynamite says his brother's funeral, and he's like, and he's at, and there's some song, and he's at his brother's funeral. Yeah, Will well, he, he had cry? Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Tom Waits wrote the whole soundtrack, and they brought Crystal Gale in to to be the female voice, and that's what it is. It's a musical. So I would have liked to seen her play the role. You know, no, no, Crystal Gale. 
No, you want to see Terry go. I mean, I okay. We'll keep talking yeah. about it, but I have some thoughts on it. But I'll let other yeah. people. Well, I know it. what your thoughts are about Terry Gar. Because well, I mean, uh, she just, I love Terry Gar. She just did, robed did, a few times. I thought of you every time she took her clothes did off. Did I think that she? Oh, and yeah, I Frederick, of her. Did I think that <laughs> oh. she and Frederick were the most compelling characters? No, no, they were kind of like you know. But she's still Terry Gar. She's a dancer. It turns out I had no idea right. that she was a dancer. Oh, yeah. I, I watched dancer. that scene. At the end of the movie, we rewinded and I watched that scene again. I was really surprised about how it was what Kenny Ortega was the dance guy. Yeah. You know, and I thought, she, I thought Raul, they were both fantastic. Yeah. Raul Julia was great. Was great. And Natasha Kinski was good in her part. By the way, I think those were both, it's, that's what's strange about the film is I think they were supposed to be Fantasy. um, fantasies. That they didn't really like, especially with Frederick Forrest and, and Natasha Kinski. That was definitely some kind of fantasy thing going on. The other one's a little more real, seemed a little more real. Ryle Julia and Terry Gar, you know, that relationship. Well, yeah, kind nunchucks, of I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. nunchucks. Anyway. Uh, do you think it, so, do you think it would have been, do you think it would have been more realistic if Frederick Forrest had, um, danced and spent the night with Klaus Kinski or would that have been? Yeah. I know we want to shit intensity? on this film. I can feel the vibe right here and it's starting to, I, I'm going to just say it. I loved it. Loved oh it. Oh my God. And, oh, wow. and part, I loved it. And part of it is what Sean hit on, which is I'm such a simple viewer. I loved all that rear screen projection and the the stuff he was doing when he's looking in a mirror and she's looking in a mirror and they're reacting to each other from different places. I found the music beautiful. Tom Waits and Crystal Gale's film, beautiful. Now, is it on the nose? It's completely on the nose. And, and I think that's why I loved it. And I just love the audacity of Coppola doing this film. I just found it refreshing. And, um, and and part of what happened was it was such bad press while he was making this film that by the time he's trying to preview it, it's already been told. Everybody's already been told that it's a failure. It's, it's not going to. Right. And he actually, you know, he actually did his own screening in Rockefeller or at uh, the music hall in New York where he, he gave people pea soup because they're waiting outside in the cold and he wanted to do a screening for regular people to see their reaction. And I think, frankly, oh, was, they all had the same reaction. Bar, right? It was, yeah. They all hate, and a lot of them hated it. I just found well, it way more, by the way, 10,000 10, times more romantic than 500 Days of Summer. Okay? What? Yeah, yeah 100%. Really? Because I I, the idea that people who are in a relationship that long are thinking about dalliances that they want to have, and ultimately, they realize that these are, I'm going to come back, and these are the people that I want to stay with. And well, I loved his things. Love I loved the things shut. he was doing. What's that? <laughs> you I are going to love Eyes Wide Shut. I saw Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, you did? By the way. Okay. Yes, I did. Yeah. And I like that, too. Oh, <laughs> that was great. It's an interesting watch. Yeah, you know, one not... thing you got to say is that this was, this was a good film for the. I also appreciate I... that Coppola was trying something different. That's what you know I mean. What I, mean? He was I just really, love his audacity and the fact that you know, he bankrupted his whole company for this film. And he had to do studio films for the next 20 years to like pay Jack. off what he... Well, not only Jack, it was Peggy Sue got married. It was The Outsiders, Tucker and His Dream. There's a lot of pretty good films that came out of him Tucker having a okay. direct for the studio. 
Yeah. Tucker, well, didn't I don't George know. Lucas I, I like to I, I guess I guess I'm the I'm only Lucas one that really Lucas. liked it. I can't quite tell, but no, somebody I don't else say that it. I didn't like I, it. I'm not saying I'm well, going to defend it. That's why I, I went like, and purchased I, I bought the laser disc when I was done. I enjoyed and I downloaded the sound uh, the soundtrack is beautiful. Tom Waits and Crystal Gale, it's just it it's a killer. Anyway, Chris, what do you think? Uh, okay, here's the thing is, is and, and I'm, and I'm all for, uh, established directors taking risks and trying something new. And sometimes, and, and, you know, so I can respect the man for doing that, but it, this is kind of a failure, in my opinion. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't a failure. Uh, it's a beautiful film, like that scene where Terry Gar does walk away in the beginning. Um, somehow or another, it only rained on the street, but I'm okay with that. You can see the end of the set, and you can see the top I, well, of the set. I mean. <laughs> but the point, but that's my point is he's obvi- he's not trying to make it realistic. Right. You know, right. he's trying to make it like right. some kind of. Um, I, I don't want to go so far. Kind of like a Busby Berkeley, obviously yes, that's what he's going for. Yeah. set, right? But I think the fact that while, um, you know, Debbie mentioned La La Land, where they actually do sing, um, you know, you're kind of waiting for them to sing the whole time. And I get it. it he, that's kind of what his idea was. We're going to do a musical where the characters don't sing. Um, and, it, and it kind of reminds me, except where that movie, where this one movie succeeds, uh, this movie fails. Um, if you've ever seen uh, The Umbrellas of Shoreberg, it's a French film where... All of everybody sings their lines, but they're just everyday lines. They're they're not songs, but they sing them. It's got uh, Julie Christie in it. Uh, she, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful film. Um, it's just ridiculous, Technicolor, brilliant. Anyway, beside the point. But this movie, um, it just really, it just didn't quite work for me. I, I hey, take a risk. That's awesome. But I mean, even in the beginning, like even from the point where, even in the beginning, it opens. There are literal there's a curtain that is right so obviously he's kind of trying to prep everybody for this is this is not going to be this is going to be more like a stage show or a play or a you know a broadway show than it is going to be a traditional film and while some of that stuff really works um at the same time i wonder to myself like he had those wonderful street scenes of las vegas and it's obviously a set but like if you're gonna just if you're gonna go so far as in some places to basically just obviously make it a painted background and you can see where the the ceiling curves over i don't understand why sometimes in some ways he would go so over the top with it to try to make it look as realistic as possible um and then other times not um but i think i i agree with sean in the sense that i I didn't care about frederick forrest or terry gar and those are actors that i really like i like them both didn't care didn't care if they stayed together or got back together or whatever. In fact, I was kind of hoping they didn't get back together. I think they might have been happier in the end. Um, and you're right. People have fantasies about, you know, you know, you know, uh, super handsome, uh, you know, tango singing. You that's know, definitely mine. Guys. And, uh, and, you know, Nastasia Kinski. I mean, that's, come on, forget about yeah. it, right? She's and she can walk a tightrope. I didn't know that. And, yeah, she did that. I know. And she, she didn't she do that. Balance on that ball. She could balance on that ball, too. But it just, I don't, like, I don't know. In the, in the, in the Red Productions universe, we've actually looked at other movies that are much more innovative depictions of uh, women having sexual interaction with cars. So. Yes. So this was yes. a little well, tame. She was, she was tightroping. We're not even mentioning the car. But, <laughs> You know, it, it's just one of those things where, um, and then for, for whatever reason, I don't know why. And 
I, I like widescreen stuff, and this was like it was uh, one by one thirty five. This was shot one three one. This was shot. Yeah, this was shot. Yeah, you could tell he square. was going old Hollywood by shooting yeah. it square like he that. shot yeah, it square it, for for a reason. But I mean, I, I feel like he was going for this. You know, I hey, I'm going to take this old Hollywood idea. I'm going to shoot it like old Hollywood, but I'm going to throw in some new twists and stuff. But for me, it just didn't. It just didn't. Come well, what's yet. the new twist? He was doing an old Hollywood film. What's the new twist? The he didn't oh, say. Uh, sex and nudity. Oh, yeah, that Those was are the new twist. That, that didn't bother me. I didn't, no, that didn't. No, that didn't bother me either. Well, the, but my the point other... is, like, you would never have seen that in something from 1957. Oh, of course. Okay, okay, but the well, set but pieces the other... you would have seen. But the other new twist to it is that he was going to make it at, like he basically built a studio like yeah. an old fashioned studio and he wanted to run it like an old fashioned studio and he made an old fashioned studio movie and unlike an old fashioned studio the big twist was that he blew up the studio and lost all the money and yeah. studios are designed to make good movies that are successful and that didn't happen here so yeah he went overboard there's no doubt twist about yeah that's the <laughs> twist I want to say one thing. One thing I like about this film, and it reminded me was of Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was just going to say that. The 90s. It sucks. Yeah. Well, no. 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 He, <laughs> he incorporates, like, if you look at the, like, the train riding, it's obviously a fake train against a yeah. red background. Yes, Shadow work he does against the wall. It's double it's, exposures. It's figures and everything. Yeah. I think he, he utilized it better then, but, of course, then the problem was, he had, you know, Keanu Reeves and um, Winona Ryder playing roles beyond their depth, in my opinion. Look, I think I when Harry Met Sally age. stole, no, actually, Woody Allen did this first. The two people in therapy talking about their problems with each other. Yeah. I mean, Woody Allen did that. I forget which film he did Annie that. Hall. In. Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Then uh, they did, he did it in this one because they're doing that where they're each talking to the best friends Friend. and you mm -hmm. see them behind and then when harry met sally does the exact same thing um so you know he's trying people different the good things from this yeah what's that people are taking the good things from it i mean I, but this I, is really you know unlike a film that you know i i may sound very negative on the film but this is a film that if it were at the dollar store for um 125 blu-ray I would definitely pick it up. I can see oh, myself yeah. watching this film again and probably liking it more each time I watch it. Well, I went and watched <clears throat> documentaries after the making of, and I fell in love with Coppola even more after watching those. Now, I think people were waiting for him to have his failure, and he gave it right to them. He handed it right to them. And, you know, whatever. So, I, John, you've been quiet with your uh, no, Coppola I mean, hat on. I think it was a vanity project and he was trying yeah. to recreate something from the forties. And I think he needs to make a decision. If he wanted it to be a musical and that's kind of the way he set it up, then let them go out and sing. Cause I think for me, the scene that I liked the most was when they were dancing in Vegas. I thought that was fantastic, but it was like, you know, he couldn't decide what genre he really wanted to do. Um, the artificial sets. I mean, that didn't bother me too much, but what did bother me, what Chris brought up, you know, why in some scenes does he want it to look surreal in other scenes, he's got the, you know, you can see the uh, the the uh, the background top, you know, like you know you're in a studio. So it's like the whole thing with him was he wanted to film in a studio. Okay, fine, you can do that without shoving in your face that it's a studio by, you know, showing you to the top like that. I didn't understand that. And, and frankly, I did the same thing you did. I started watching all kinds of documentaries on this, and the documentaries were far more entertaining 
than this movie was. I enjoyed them so much more. Uh, Terry Gar, they interviewed her. They interviewed Coppola about why this happened. Um, I and this movie was a slog to get through, even from the very beginning. As wow. I started watching, I'm going, "What the hell wow. is this movie trying to be?" And the other thing, to be perfectly honest with you, that kind of bummed me out was realizing that Raul Julia's dead. Um, that bummed you know, me out. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, Harry Dean Stanton's dead. I'm going, "Oh my god!" And this wasn't like you know, but Terry Gar has problems. Terry Gar is is re- very sick. Uh, you know, she's not that same. Uh, and I like her. I like Terry Gar. I thought she was. She so what's fine the, I don't this, understand what that has to do with anything. It depressed. Just, I was thinking about Ralph. So the movie so did not interest me that I'm thinking about all the people in it who are now dead. That's so that says something to yeah, me. It does. That's you focus on cinematography. I wish they were still alive. Yeah. It's like an so, inverse of the nostalgia you're supposed to be feeling for old Hollywood movies. Right. Instead, just yeah, like, I just gone. didn't make any it's sense to me what he was trying. I mean, I get what he was trying to do. It just didn't work for me because, frankly, I think the story was lousy. And I think if you don't care about the people in it, and I really had no uh, investment in I, I won't lie at the end uh, when, when they were on the plane and, you know, he, he, she she's going to go with Raul Julia. And he goes back to the house. You know, you feel bad for him. You kind of hope they'll get back together. I kind of like that. But it, it was just a mishmash of so many things. And, and it just didn't work for me. I mean, pick, pick a lane and go with it. Again, once I started watching all the documentary stuff, you know, you said he got bad press. He got bad press. He ran out of money. He had to go to a Texas oil guy to get money because he ran out. That's why he was getting bad press. I mean, he, he was uh, spending way too much money to build those the the like the Vegas realistic sets he wanted well, and, them to and look everybody like that was working for him took a fifty percent that's right to keep going that's right because they so, believed so, in it too so yeah. but you know I don't know what I think they were they were believing in the concept of filming a movie like the old time studios I don't think they were believing in the movie that they were actually doing that's what I think that's I'm what sure, I got I, I bet they didn't realize how bad well I'm not going to say bad. I will say I, I agree. It did not. The, the characters did not engage me until that Raul Julia scene, the dance scene. But I will never say I was never bored with this film. I was always interested in what was going on visually. You know, I I, I was really really impressed with a lot. But you know, you need that emotional involvement too. You need the story. You yeah. don't have the story. Yeah. It's a very Something. simple story. That's right. It's if you simple. really, if you really like the characters, that's all the story you would have right. needed. You, you just didn't the like character. the characters. You have to really believe them. You got to really want them lives. to get together. And you know, I wasn't so sure. I, you know. Oh, I was upset that she came back. Yeah, I thought she shouldn't have come back. Yeah, but but. What are you saying for Chris? Her? You're muted. Got it. Um, you are. No, I was sunshine. just going to say that, like. I, I agree. I wish she hadn't come back. And uh, part of the thing that uh, it just didn't here, here's part of the thing that has always upset me about a lot of these films is I've always had trouble with like, you know, at some point in a romantic comedy, there has to be an argument that causes them to break up so they can get back together. And, and a lot of times I've always felt that those arguments are lame. Because they just has to happen. Now, this starts out at the very beginning. We know they break up because they've been together for five years and they're a little tired of each other. And that's kind of it. And he's kind of a cheapskate, apparently. You know, he doesn't want to go to Bora Bora, which is fine, I guess. Bastard. But I, but I, I don't know. There's just something about like the, the movie's beautiful. 
Tom Waits, Crystal Gale are fantastic, but yet for some reason, just kind of at the center, the characters weren't that interesting to me. Oh. And it just, I mean, I could watch, like I said, I literally bought this film. It was because it was only $2 more to buy than it was to rent it. So I spent the extra couple bucks in case it was, you know, I was surprised. You know, but, you know, I sat down and watched the first half of it again, and I didn't really do a lot of difference to me. I mean, I, I thought it's pretty and it's beautiful. And I know that he was going for like this surreal dreamlike quality and i think that is enhanced by the fact that you can literally see the scenes of the sets and stuff like that but i don't i don't know it just you know hey and it's like like i said you know it just didn't work chris i'll tell you what you you mentioned something that really made me have a more better understanding because when he bought the mortgage uh got the mortgage on that house he was looking for a future with her yeah by her saying that she wanted to go to bora bora She's just interested in two weeks. So, you know what I mean? Except he didn't ask her to spend right, her he money. took her money without yeah. telling her. To yeah, pay again, the it's like, a, it's like an more. argument. You know, how many arguments do you have where you bring up stuff that have been welling for years that you never – and it just comes out in a burst? Never All of a sudden, you just start – well, uh, what about the Bora Bora? What what kind of money did she come up with? Well, that's what well, she said. works for traveling. She said she, she said got, she got a, a discounted discount. ticket. I think the problem yeah, was. Also all right, wait, so everybody, oh, Drew. Drew's been yeah. snarky about this film, and he's not. I want to. I want to hear some <laughs> Drewisms. Give me some Drewisms, please. I have not. I have not been snarky. I have been oh. honest. My opinion has been one from the heart. Um, so. I made I made a list of uh, things I liked about the movie and things that I didn't like about the movie. I had not seen this movie. I knew it was Coppola. I also knew that it was very stagey and theatrical, which isn't good or bad. Uh, Wes Anderson makes a lot of movies like that that I really like. But I also knew that it was on video, and it was in the first couple of years of the 80s. So I kind of thought it would look like garbage. And I saw two things. First of all, I guess what you rent on Amazon, I'm so glad I didn't buy it, but what you rent on Amazon is the 2003 restoration. And I really yeah. thought it was going to look like collateral, like that kind of grainy sort of, it's obviously video. And I, that's a wonderful movie that does, you know, transcends the, 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 the look of the thing. This movie was very pretty. So I would say it looked on my, on my good list. It was better than I expected it to look. That's the end of the good list. Okay. Um, I hated it um, because it's the worst thing that a movie can be, which is grueling and boring. And I respect that he was trying to do his own thing and that he had ambitions to do these things. And I also respect that somebody might have big dreams of what a movie could be that just don't connect with me. And that's fine. Um, you know, he made all those masterpieces in a row including Apocalypse Now and Nobody Has a Streak Forever. I mean, even Spielberg made 1941, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe it would have been better if John Cazale wasn't dead and he had some of the people that were in some of his other movies in this movie. But I, one of the things when I am watching a movie and I don't like it, I'll look and see how long have I been watching this because I want to see how much is left. And when I saw that I had only been watching 25 minutes, I, I really thought I had been watching it for an hour because – like nothing was happening. There's a lot going on, but nothing was happening. Also, there's hair in the gate at 26 minutes in. You can see this big hair. And I thought that was a little careless for Coppola to leave that in there. But I think it reminded me of other movies that did the same kinds of things better, which I don't necessarily like, like Eyes Wide Shut, like some Wes Anderson movies. 
I think uh, as a musical, it reminded me um, of things like Streets of Fire, which is a musical that doesn't have singing, or everybody exactly. loves Disney's Tarzan, uh, where Phil Collins sings songs over Tarzan, you know, surfing trees, but it's not actually a musical like the other Disney musicals. And uh, nobody remembers that movie either. But uh, I, I think... To me, it's, it's just a boring version of so many different kinds of movies. Like it's, it's a boring romance. It's a boring musical. It's a boring character study. Even as experimental filmmaking, I was bored and I, I can watch it with Ralph's eyes and say there's some very impressive technical stuff that's done in there. And I, I don't think that's wrong or anything. But to me, um, I can look at that sort of thing and go, Hey, that's neat, but I want to watch a movie. And if I don't care about the story and especially in a movie like this, I don't care about the characters. It doesn't work. Like if you imagine somebody watches Mad Max Fury road and they don't connect with it at all, you could look at it and you could say, I mean, that car stuff is really amazing. The chasing and the driving and the stunts and stuff. That's really amazing, but I don't care because I don't care about the people. And I know people like that actually exist and I feel sorry for them. This was like, uh, such a disconnect between the ambition and my experience of watching it. I, I was, I was, it took three days for me to watch it. Wow. wow. I just, I, I'm so glad I didn't spend two extra dollars because I don't want to look at it in my Amazon library ever again. Like you when the rental expires, I, I will be so, just, just, just I'll be stop. so relieved. Just, okay. Okay. You, this I this guess is not a, a put on. I, I was really, I was really put off by it, which is weird because I expected it to be it? bad because that, that's the, that's the reputation of it. It, it a hundred percent earned that. I was like, this movie sucks the way everybody says it sucks. And, um, and they were right. And great. <laughs> I mean, it sucked for 40 years, and I somehow missed it until now. So thank you, Sean. Well, <laughs> I, anyway, uh, I wasn't a big it fan. It was out there sucking. I, re- I respectfully disagree. Listen, I understand that I'm in the minority and that I may love it for other reasons. I mean, frankly, seeing Terry Gar naked definitely put it way up in my... That's when I was looking at the Ralph's eyes. <laughs> I mean, uh, that scenes. does not hurt the picture yeah. at all. Um, and I just, I just love Coppola. I just love his audacity. And yeah, it's not a great film. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the greatest film ever made. It's not. His audacity sure killed fun. the studio. It sure is fun. I mean, and the fact that he tried something and he created an airport in his in his uh, in his soundstage, and some of that stuff was gorgeous. The photography in this thing is gorgeous. There's one shot where Natasha Kinsey is above the neon lights, singing or dancing or something, and they come down. It's just terrific. And I think I think it was unduly. Uh, shed upon back in the 80s and i think that that bad press caused a lot of people to just go i don't care it's gonna suck he deserves it he's got a big head so we'll trash it well i think I, if other if someone else had done this if someone else there's a lot of movies that do the same thing with the affected lighting and the very deliberate double screens and all that and it doesn't get nearly the the hate that this one gets so, so i'm you, gonna do say you think this do you think a the bad people, film, though. Do you think that people consciously skipped that. it? Do you think that like those reviews yeah. came out and people said, "I am not, I'm yes. deliberately not going to see you that." You think movie. the audience yes. stayed so. away? Look, yes. I wish time, I was one of those people. At that time, okay. well, you should have going been. to. I was going to the movies a lot, like every week. I was one of those. People. And um, <laughs> I watched the episode of Cisco and Ebert that this was reviewed in, hmm. and I'm sitting there thinking it was either the bad reviews. Or something great came out that same week, and this was gone the second week. It's funny, you know what they? I watched I mean, their review. Did you now see? changed my life, 
and what I wanted to do for a living. Siskel so, and Ebert both both reviewed it the same way, which was, yeah, it's a miss, but we still thought he did it. We still liked the film. They gave it like a half yeah, thing. I mean, but nothing. Yeah. When I look at what else they reviewed that week, like Shoot the Moon, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. which is a great film, but not something I would have seen with my then girlfriend. She yeah. liked more cheerful yeah. stuff. Um, I mean, none of the films on that week I would have gone to see. And so I'm looking at it. So it's like I just chose. It isn't like there was something better out there. I just chose not to see this movie. So it had to be the reviews because I'm a fan. And I like Terry Garback. And I liked Harry Dean Stanton, too. And I thought he was really underutilized in this film as well. Yeah. But more importantly, Chris, uh, I was going to ask you a question. Were you just on mute? I was, but I'm now off. And I was thinking, is the reason why you're on mute is because the dogs have um, attacked all the children and your wife? <laughs> Ralph, was, Ralph was waiting, just waiting with his finger on that for you, Debbie. Yes. Oh, my God. In a manner of speaking, Debbie, yes. Oh, my God. Um, and I want to say oh something, too. I, I forgot. I think it was Drew that said this. Um, I was seeing, to me, this is kind of like Streets of Fire, too, in the sense that it's like a rock yeah. and roll fable. It's funny, you know? and I hated Streets of Fire, right? Yeah. And, well, there's and, one and major also bad. here. One is good, and one is bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, again, I don't think it's so. The Eye of the Beholder, and I understand. Where <laughs> yeah, you no. Guys are I will tell you one thing. No, I'm very glad I saw this film, and I'm too. very glad we're having this discussion. Me too. About me too. It. I'm only glad because it made me watch all the documentaries on the making of it, which I found fascinating. I think, like, uh, you, you keep talking about, well, Siskel and Lieber liked the way it looked, even though the movie wasn't that great. The average film goer isn't going to look at it that way. The ad average right. film goer is going to look for a good story that keeps them in engaged. And right. this movie was not that. So uh, you can say yeah, the reviews the average killed film it, goer, and maybe it they did. Really, they really figure it all out. The average film no, goer they don't figure it out. But at. They're not looking for what you're talking about. They're looking for a good story. The people that they care about. They're not looking for the nuances of the look and all this other stuff. That's why it didn't do, it was a bad movie. The reviews My favorite the reviews thing that killed it because it was a bad movie. Frederick Forrest jumps in his car with his plate of food, right? Drops yeah, a plate of food. That was kind of fun. And then after the whole airport in the rain, he jumps out of his car and he grabs the plate He's of food. He's got the food in the back seat. Little things right. like that that I thought were no. fantastic. I mean, that there were little things in it that were kind of interesting, but it just overall, it was just a slog. You know, I was on the train. I wouldn't call it a like, slog. Well, well, you guys well are I know tough. you wouldn't, but I'm just telling you, that's my opinion. You loved it. Three days I, to I, watch. I, I, listen, do I know it's a kind of a not a great film? Yes. Did I enjoy it? Very much. Very much. And, and, and part of it was all the backstory stuff I watched. Tom Waits and Terry Gar talking about it and the community. Which the I loved. I loved all that. was trying to build. You know, he had the internship the program with the little kids at the studio. Yeah, that would be an interesting movie that I would watch. Right. So you would watch the Paramount Plus original series about the making of One from the Heart. I would. Yeah. That would be and nice. I hope Miles so Teller is in it. I mean, it would be a good question about why it failed because he did create a whole new way of, and part, I think that's partly why there was so much bad press is because he was telling everybody he's figured out the next generation of filmmaking. I'm going to sit in my, that was my, all they were talking about. I'm going to sit in my silver fish. I'm going to direct from inside here. I'm going to cut the scenes as they're coming in. But that was something that resonated going forward. I think the thing was, he ultimately, said, I yes, can, ultimately, I can build a studio used. and do it like the old days. Here's and the then he went that. bankrupt. Well, so you think everyone's going to run into that? The techniques that he came up with shooting this film 
you know, the editing while they're yeah. on the set, people are using now the pre-visualization yes. pre that he was yeah. doing. Yeah. And I, I so, am going to say this. You know, you talk about his Silverfish, you know, trailer and all that stuff. He actually did that on both um, The Outsiders and Rumblefish, like when he shot those basically back to back in Tulsa. And those are two very visually different movies, even though they're by the based on, you know, books by the same author. Um, so he was doing that even afterward. And, and I really like The Outsiders and I I really like Rumblefish. So my point being is that, um, you know, you know, it's not like what he learned or what he started there, you know, went to waste. And, right. and like you said, people are doing that these days, but he definitely did that on, on both of those films and he did a lot of pre-visualization and that's the way he sold it to people. Like he showed, you know, he showed video of these guys walking around and, you know, using like video effects to, you know, show things in the background and stuff on those two films, which are, um, which are really good. You know, I mean, the Outsiders is pretty much told very straight, while Rumblefish is obviously very, um, you know, it's in a in a weird way, it's 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 very like this movie because it's it's heavily the the visuals are emphasized, it's very dreamlike. It's well, that's, uh, like you guys different. brought up Dracula. He did the same thing in Dracula that he. You know. Now I got a technical question for you, smart people here on this podcast, because I'll confess this: I'm I, out. I. <laughs> Am not a film person. You know what I mean. You're I don't not. Know. Well, I like film, but I don't know what the silverfish is. What is a silverfish? That was a oh. camper. He had a, like an air, airstream it was camper. Airstream. Yeah. It was an airstream. He, he had all his, his electronics. He had all his video equipment in there, so he could watch what was going on in the set. He could direct from the camper. He would be watching TV monitors. He literally with talk all over a speaker. Oh, see, I did well, not but, know that. Yeah. So Debbie, keep in, in keep in mind. Debbie, keep in mind that I, I think it would be fair to say that a lot of directing a film is, I don't know, maybe, John, you would disagree, 70% coaching actors and 70% working with the people in front of the camera. And he never did that this whole movie. The way that he did it, he stayed in a trailer, he watched it remotely, he communicated with them. But there, there is definitely, I, I feel like when you watch the movie, and please... Don't if you haven't. But if you watch the movie, the the actors, especially Frederick Forrest, I kind of feel bad for him. He just seems kind of adrift, and what? I feel like like some of his face, uh, like I'm upset, I'm sad. It's like well, he may have been the nobody, wrong. Nobody, nobody really worked with I mean, him. He he may have been, but he did not yeah. get direction. Well, he did. No, they he did, did a lot better. of rehearsal. They did tons of rehearsal on that film. Yeah, well, you, can, oh, you can't tell. Yeah, well, that's not true. You can tell. Because no, I, I what's her name could walk on the uh, tightrope. She rehearsed that, and the, the walking on the ball thing that she did, she rehearsed that too. So yeah, maybe Frederick Frederick Forrest was probably the weaker link out of that. Yeah, he was a little bit weird. I don't, I don't see him as a romantic lead. That's part of it. Uh, but Terry Gar, I don't know why. She, I don't know. And Sean, you said Terry Gar didn't come off good in this film. Well, I didn't think she came off well in the beginning. I felt during the the uh, sequence where she's with Raul Julia, we get some of that Terry Gar energy that I enjoy. You know, I felt she did fine during that part. I really, you know, I feel there's 40 minutes in the middle of this movie that is very engaging. But the beginning, and I don't buy the end. I won't say I don't buy the end. It's like, it's not... I just don't think they should have gotten back together. There was Well, not it was very theatrical. Like, even that scene where... Uh... 
Frederick Forrest is knocking on Lanny Kazane's door, looking for Terry Gar, and and they that the way they shoot it, where you can see both sides, and right. then Lanny Kazan ends up with his friend. That was very stagey, theatrical kind of, and I I I, I don't know. I just bought it all. I know it's not a good film. I understand that hundred percent. But I'm I was all in on it. Once I once I let it flow over me, I was fine. I I, I think I didn't Spencer understand. Tracy would have been good in this. You know what? When I watched that film, I thought about Spencer Tracy being dead. <laughs> now that you mention it, so See? you're right. Um, See, that's not right. Man. Oh, now I did. Just... I did think of one other thing that I I thought. Hey, that's neat. And it was um, the, the scene where Terry Gar. No, I couldn't watch that shit. Terry Gar. <laughs> um, Decides to leave the hotel and go away with Raul Julia. So she walks from the hotel floor into the elevator. And then a moment later, the elevator doors open and it's actually onto the street. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a neat shot. And also the way that they did it. I actually, this is one behind the scenes thing I was curious about because a lot of stuff in the movie happens without any cutting. And unfortunately, most of it's boring, but, uh, they had her walk from the hotel set into the elevator. Then they spun it around 180 degrees. And when the doors opened and the elevator moved a little because they do when they move. And when they opened it, it was onto the set of the street in front of the hotel with, with Raul Julia by the cab. Jeez. I thought that was kind of neat, Jeez. but I also didn't, I also didn't care about anybody okay. that we know you didn't about. care. So I, I thought. The I neon light music. work that they did when you see in reflections oh my God, it was of so, the neon. It was, so, it was so tacky. And also, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded <laughs> me of a movie from um, from the, the, the 80s called Dr. Caligari, which mm. is featured in episode 15 of Movie Strange, which is super tacky and theatrical and bright colors and 80s looking type well, of stuff. Well, I'm going to put that one down in the link below the comment section, Drew, Excellent. since you brought it up. Excellent. I actually said I liked I, that film too. I think I think I enjoyed that, that, that film, one as well. That film was was oddly entertaining. Although every right. thumbnail that we put on, uh, like a woman being licked by a door and stuff, yeah, that they, YouTube kept saying you, you can't do that. I, I want to say I want to say one other thing. I pulled up the box office from that weekend. Uh, it came out uh, February twelfth, forty years ago, and it came out in fifteenth wow. place. It opened in fifteenth place, and it made under four hundred thousand dollars. But the thing that really blows me away is how long some of these movies were out. The number one movie was On Golden Pond, which had already been out for 11 weeks. I've seen that. Chariots of Fire was like number four. It had been out for 21 weeks. Reds was next with 11 weeks. Raiders of the Lost Ark was in sixth place and had been out for 36 weeks. The only movie I can... Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The only movie I can think of that is behaving like that right now is Top Gun Maverick because that is still doing gangbusters in the theaters. So looking back at this movie and, you know, because... If a movie like this doesn't do well, that usually means other stuff was getting attention. And so I, I like I look at that weekend and I mean some of the best movies ever, like Reds and Raiders of the Lost Ark or the same weekend. Arthur had been out for thirty one weeks, stuff like that. So it also it didn't it didn't just fail sort of in a vacuum. It failed against some really excellent classic movies that, you know, went on to win a lot of awards and everything. I will say that every film you mentioned mm-hmm. right there, I had seen in the theaters. You know, but I did not see this one, you know. And I was in the play on go. Golden Pond. There you go. Well, a quick question, oh, wow. if you remember. Um, That's awesome. True. Oh, my God. Wow. Do you remember how many, what do you call it, how many screens it opened up on? Yes, I, I can tell you that. It because I was going to say, one of the reasons maybe you never saw this, Sean, was that it only opened up in a few major cities. And when it tanked, they just didn't break it wide, you yep. know? It, I was think open, it, I think, it opened in 41 theaters. Yeah. yeah. 
and it didn't do well. So and it's funny when they show the list, they, they they showed that list in one of the docs, and it was like fifteenth out of yeah, it was fifteenth, and right above it was the movie Diner. It's yeah. in the 14th. Well, people places. love Diner, and yeah. that thing went on to be a you know that was a more of a cult hit I think than a big box yeah. office thing. But it's Diner body more, hon. Yeah, that's a so, local all right, legend. Well, Let's rate this one. You know, Drew, give me your rating. I don't quite, I don't really know where you stand on this one. Um, <laughs> you can't a use a poop one. emoji. Either, this is a okay? tough one too. Man, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was really awful. Okay, but I, I have decided in my heart. I the whole time I was suffering through it, I was like, this is not Sean's fault. He didn't know. Yeah, okay. I, this is know. one of the. This is one of the all time. You know, legendary stinker movies, which I do enjoy watching. I didn't enjoy watching one of these, but I am, I am Yippie Kaye thrilled that I can check it off my list. And however many more years that I live, I won't have to say, oh, maybe I should watch that because I already spent three days doing that. So Yippie Kaye, so nay. Your rating is what? Yippie Kaye, Yippie Kaye, nay. Okay. Thank mm. you. John? Yeah, I give it Yippie Kaye, nay. And I would say watch the documentaries and the making of the film. I found that much more entertaining. Chris? Uh, EPK Nay, it looked great. It was beautiful, but it just, uh, it just didn't really grab me. Didn't engage me. Uh, Sean and Debbie, do we really Debbie need to do first. this? Well, I'm going to say Yippie-Kai uh, meh, oh, because meh. I did enjoy watching the film. I mean, I enjoyed it. And for whatever it's worth, I mean, it was, what, $3.99? Um, I think we, I think $3.99, I would have paid. It's like two dollars for it, but three ninety nine. That's all. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I will say, I'm yippee ki yay. Um, yay. Is that a cat? I'm, 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 I'm yippee ki meow. Okay. And um, I just want to make one more point. Please. You know, I don't know if MTV was already out at this point, but I know it hadn't reached. Prominence. I'm wondering if this has been released in 83 or 84 or 85 when MTV was really hot, whether there had been an audience more receptive for it. I mean, it would I, still have a, a young person. Yeah. No young way. Person. I don't think no so. No way. I'm no going to say, okay, I'm going to say for me, Yippee Kaye. I understand that the movie was not very good. He tried some things, he swung and missed, but for me overall, my Coppola love and my Terry Gar love just makes this. That's what I want to know. Does this have anything to do with seeing Terry Gar partially naked in some 100%. scenes? 100%. Okay. I just want to make sure that's kind that's of what once, I Once you see that, yeah. then everything else just goes, okay, that whatever. falls into place. But do you whatever. have, do you have an internet connection? Because you can just look up scenes like that and you don't have to spend an hour. And I, it's Terry Gar scenes. That's why I want to see Terry yeah. Gar. And I spent the what? three ninety nine to rent it. And then went and spent five ninety nine to buy the laser discs. Japanese was it the Japanese import. version? Because that's Japanese the one everybody import. wants. Yeah, that's the one I wanted. That's what that's one the Japanese the kids import. Want. I'm really so upset to hear that this thing that we watched on um, Amazon is not the Coppola version. It it's, is well. I no, think it was restored DVD. and produced by him, so yeah. he's involved. I don't know what this the original release. You version. said this was the re- restored version, the one we I saw. Th- on I Amazon? think that literally. I think yeah. that literally was means a restoration edit. of the elements, not that it was a new cut or yeah, a re-edit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is no, definitely a re-edit. It. One oh, of the is? guys on um, Trailers from Hell did this film. 
and oh, he said he said there's a couple of re-release a re-edit oh. of this film he liked it by the way he understood it wasn't that good but he liked it too so oh well you guys i'm in pretty good company yeah, i like this group Unlike this group, I'm in pretty good company. When it comes I have to been this looking film. forward to talking about this for several days. I, bet. So I, I can hear the one-liners you as you're watching it. All right, here's one. Well, that's terrific. You guys, the best thing I've job. heard you say, Drew, about a movie, you say this, and it cracks. I, I think about it. It's like really cracks me up. You said, "Well, one thing I could say about this movie is it's a movie." It's true. <laughs> it's true of everything we've watched. Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> I laugh on the no, that that doesn't even deserve Look, a if, shot. If I if I no. could have talked about Tenet again for an episode, I wouldn't have because I had a lot of exciting stuff to say. Oh, also I forgot one thing I wanted to tell you guys. Um, oh, more? There is there is one thing I did do this weekend that wasn't a movie but that I would recommend. Uh Kelly and I went to Philadelphia and we saw the Van Gogh immersive experience. Oh, I saw the is, picture. Uh, a really, really neat way to look at it. Because it's a it's a museum exhibit of a lot of his photos with stories about his life and history, which aren't the actual paintings. But then they actually took the paintings and they t- they take fifteen thousand square feet of uh three hundred sixty degrees of screens and put you in the paintings. Wow. And it was really for 35 minutes on the loop, and it was really quite transporting. So I, is I can't that a, that's a traveling show, it. isn't it? Though, isn't that there are different show? versions of it right now. Like uh, we saw it in Philly, and yeah. Kelly's cousin who lives in uh, Fairbanks saw it uh, this weekend as well. So there are multiple ones going around. It's uh, it's definitely uh, you have to buy tickets, and it's timed, which is good because you wouldn't want it to be crowded. But if you're looking for something to do like that, it's really interesting. And oh, I saw people there good. with kids and everybody. So. If you like Vincent Van Gogh, there's a movie you should avoid called Vincent and Theo. I've heard that's dreadful, yes. I I, I read a blog post that that was included in a uh, a list of the worst movies Sean ever paid for. I think that was number seven of the film. I did walk out of that movie. I felt it was Wait, Van Gogh, uh, that's the Doctor Who episode. If you want to see good Van Gogh, watch the Doctor Who episode. That is one of my favorite episodes, yep. All right, here we go. By the way, before you show that, Ralph, I just want to remind people to subscribe, smash the well, you might not want to smash the like button. Uh oh, I wonder who it's going to I think Ralph is going to win this one. Oh. I hope it's Drew. Oh, Oh, damn. All right, so John picks the next one, one you have not seen. So, yes. I got three I'm thinking of. I'll let you know by Friday. Intolerance by D.W. Griffin. I've never seen that movie, actually. That's definitely not woke. That film is not woke. So that might (laughs) be a good one. Intolerance? Yeah. Intolerance. Have you ever seen Intolerance? No. No, I haven't. I've seen clips. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. It looked like a good quality. I think you should go to the movie Strange Clips and see which one of those films you'd, because you haven't seen any of those. I I would rather go in the kitchen, take a fork, jam it in my eye, than watch that show. That would hurt. Those movies are awful. I hate those movies. Um. Should I pick with one that of those horrible, With that horrible little th- image, I'm going to add a little beauty to this. Oh, God. Very chance. <laughs> Take a chance, you guys. Take a chance. Oh, my God. Well, you are really hooked on this movie. You are really hooked on this movie, Ralph. I love this film. I love this God. film. Francis Ford Coppola, you're a legend. That's it. What a guy. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Yeah. We'll see you next week for John's film. I can't wait. Everybody stay safe. I look forward to it. 